This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Welcome to the Hero Academy Podcast, the place where we can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. I believe that frontline heroes such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those who have chosen to serve society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here you will learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their passion. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing. Things you can do to make extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you will learn from people like you who are working full time, but still found time to create a course, grow a big team or a large audience or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories and how they overcame burnout. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. I'm your host, David Diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. Hello, my extended family, and welcome, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. If you're a frontline hero, a police officer, fire, EMS, military, or medical professional, then you're in the right place, and this show is for you. This week, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Harry Carides. He is a peak performance coach and also a fellow podcaster. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So um, let's just jump right into your career. Um, what kind of doctor are you? I'm an emergency physician. What does that mean? Well, it's, uh, it's um, the, the people that you see, the doctor that you see when you come into an emergency department, uh, that's what it is. You're going to see, uh, see me when you, when you come to the ED. We always tell our patients, you know, our, you usually see us on your worst day. You know, it's, we always kind of kid with our patients when they always tell me, oh, hey, I remember you from last time. And that's actually what we don't want. We don't want, we always kid with them. I go, that's not a good sign when you have to, when you remember your emergency room doctor. Um, so that's what I do. I take care of people um, on the front lines. Um, for whatever injuries that they have, traumas or medical or whatever it may be. And what state are you in? I'm in Illinois. I'm in uh, the Chicagoland area. Oh, okay. All right. Awesome. So uh, my, I don't know if you are aware, but my other half works in the ED also. And uh, for the longest time, I called it the ER, but she corrected mm-hmm. me. And I know yeah. that across the country, it's called the ED. <laughs> it, it, it is now. It had made a transition because it really was. I mean, it went, when... Emergency medicine started probably in the 70s. That's when it really started becoming, you know, more of a recognized specialty. It really was just a room, just one big room with beds around uh, around that area. And we've grown. We've grown as a specialty. And it's it's an absolutely a fully functioning department with with multiple things going on at the same time. So it's it's grown as a specialty and the room is expanded to to departments now. It's there are some of the large centers now have multiple pods, multiple floors for their emergency department. So 
it's definitely grown from its from its heyday of just one one big room with beds. It's definitely a, a big machine now. You have any good stories from uh, one of your crazy days? You know, I'll tell you what. You know, there there's plenty of stories. I can tell you that for sure. But you know, probably more of my stories probably came in before I even entered uh, as a physician. I was a paramedic here in Chicago before uh, I went to, to medical school. Yeah, so I I got to to work in, in Chicago proper. And there were plenty of stories. Uh, and, you know, you, you see a lot of crazy things out there just from, you know, just some traumas and, and, and that sort of stuff. I remember um, we were once picking up a patient for a, on a motorcycle, um, an accident on Lakeshore Drive. Lakeshore Drive here in Chicago is, you know, the, the road that hugs the, the lake. And, um, and during the summertime, you know, a lot of, um, motorcyclists are on that road and a lot of cars are on that road and it cuts right through downtown. And um, remember we once got the call for um, a motorcyclist down and all we do is we're, we, we see the bike, you know, down on Lakeshore Drive, but we see no rider, you know, usually they're near their bikes. And then we're just walking and walking and we're looking under cars, we're looking under benches to try to find where this rider was ejected to and we're all looking at all the, all the firefighters are out there the medics are out there the police are out there and we're just looking at and all of a sudden this this guy in leather chap just with a, a cigar in his mouth just comes up against us and we're like and we thought it was maybe one of his partners one of his fellow riders and he's, he's like and he's and he's looking down at the bike and he's swearing and we're like where's the rider and it turns out that was him <laughs> What he had done is he was an experienced rider and he knew that he was going to dump the bike. So he actually kicked his legs over and sat on the bike and rode it sideways going down the pavement and, you know, ejected himself off when it slowed down a little bit. I'm like, that's the most amazing thing I had ever seen in my entire life. That's incredible. Um, I had a I had a pedestrian accident where. A gentleman was walking across the street and just fate, he was hit by a motorcyclist and we couldn't find the, we couldn't find the the rider because he was so far down the road. And um, so I thought you were going to say he got ejected really, really far. (laughs) No, it was the most amazing thing. He he just kind of rode his bike as it was skidding down the street and then just kind of dumped himself off when it was at a slower speed. And there he was standing, looking down at his bike like we're looking down at his bike. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah. Now, when did you start the podcast? Well, let's see. We're in 2022, early 2022 now. So I probably started it maybe in 20, probably early 2019. Probably early 2019 is when I, I started blogging first. And then it just naturally took off um, into a podcast as well, because I think people, what I found that, you know, the people who listen to to my stuff, they're at different stages of their careers. I have some, you know, younger physicians, and then I have some mid-career physicians as well, too. And usually the mid-career to late-career physicians, they prefer the written word. Uh, They don't listen to podcasts as much. They don't, they don't see, they don't watch video on YouTube as much. Um, So I was, I was, you know, not really speaking to the large segment of the population who probably actually needs to hear my stuff even more. So that's when I started going into to podcasting and, and YouTubing as well, too, um, because I wanted to capture the, the younger 
a younger physician. Uh, and so it kind of just branched off from a blog to a podcast. And I do them both now. And how do you help them beat burnout? Because it's a very real issue. Yeah. I think the first thing that, that I always try to talk to them about is, well, you have to understand that you're there, that you're there. I always, I, I tell the story, Dave, what, when I realized that I was there is after I had a, um, a young patient, uh, a two, three month old who had arrived in, in cardiac arrest. I remember that day very, very vividly. And, and you know, the, unfortunately we tried to resuscitate that baby for about an hour and that, and that baby, we just couldn't get, couldn't get that baby back. I remember coming back to my desk, my workstation, just just looking at my computer screen and, and saying to myself, well, eight, I have to see eight more patients now because during the resuscitation, eight patients had signed into the emergency department. And I remember saying to myself, oh my God, I have to see all these patients and chart on these patients. And and I remember saying to myself, like, Harry, a baby just died. You know, a baby just died. And I didn't even have a chance to grieve with the mother or my nurses who were single moms themselves. Uh, or even didn't even have a chance to sit with my own thoughts. So I remember I came home actually to this office right here, and I'm I'm googling the word physician burnout, and I remember just kind of stopping. You know, and I remember I remember saying to myself like, Harry, when you're at the point when you're in your dark office googling the word physician burnout, you're already there. You're already there, and I didn't realize that. You know, I just figured, well, this is just part of the job. You know, this is just part of the job. This is what I have to go through. And the reality is, no, you don't actually have to go through it. There's a specific set of skills that I had to go through, a specific set of resources that I had to develop and habits that I had to develop to get myself from those dark days to really where I am right now. And that's really one of the first things I always tell the docs that I work with and, you know, the nurses that I work with as well, too, is you first have to recognize that you are burning out. And number two, that it's okay. It's okay that you're going through this struggle right now, but it's not okay for the long term. And that's really what I help guide them through. So I, I've experienced that myself. Um, do you have any other steps that you follow or, or habits? Because I know you're big on the habits. I, I, yeah. I, I read this book, Atomic Habits, and I also listened to the audio books. Sure. And yeah. it's an incredible book if anyone's mm -hmm. out there hasn't read it yet. Um, what are some of the influences or some of the habits that, that you've sure. taken on? Yeah, I think Atomic Habits is a great book. In fact, if you probably look behind me, it's probably in one of those, it's in probably one of these over here because um, it's such a phenomenal book uh, for me. The thing that I always tell docs is you have to, you can't do it all at once because what happens is you become overwhelmed with all the things that you can do because once you start going down that rabbit hole you realize like oh my goodness my emotional wellness is a good my occupational wellness is good my spiritual wellness is good my financial wellness is good, my physical wellness is good and then it just becomes too much too much so what i always tell people is you got to do two things two things only in the beginning you have to have a morning ritual and you have to have an evening ritual an evening routine and you have to defend them Fiercely. So I can tell you about my my morning uh, ritual for an example, and then it, you, you and maybe your reader or your listeners can craft their own. Mine is very very simple. It's called Arise. A R I S E. A R I S E. It's five things, and I call it Arise. I don't. I specifically don't call it a morning ritual because my morning can be two p.m. Right, Because if I just came off of a night shift, which I just did two days ago, I worked an overnight shift and I came home at 6 a.m. Well, I'm not going to do my morning 
my arise routine at 6 a.m. because I'm getting ready for bed. That's a different routine that I have. So I get up at 2 p.m. and I do this arise thing. And the arise is A affirmations, R is read, I inhalation, S is scribble, which is journaling, and D is an exercise. Those five things. And if they just have to choose one, if it's, you know, Harry, I don't have time to do the morning and the evening or the arise and my evening ritual is called the sleep ritual. I always tell you, do the arise, do the arise routine, do the arise habits because it gets you set up for the day. You know, my affirmations are very, very simple. You know, I'm going to be a servant leader today. I am a phenomenal father. I'm a phenomenal husband. Um, I have wealth in my life. I have gratitude in my life. It's just simple things to start the day off on a positive note. And it's on purpose that I keep it as my first thing. It's the first thought that enters my mind and leaves my mouth in the morning. It's the exact first thing to do because it sets my day. R is reading. Now, the biggest pushback I get, especially from physicians, is, well, here I simply don't have time to read. Well, the reality is you do. You absolutely do. But I'm not asking you to read a, a book a week. You'll get there. You'll get there if that's what you choose. I'm asking you to read 10 pages in the morning. Just 10. And, and again, physicians, as many people in healthcare, they want to just get it right, Dave. They just want to get like, well, Harry, what is it that I have to read? No problem. Read what you like. I'm not so much interested in the what you're reading. Not yet. Not in the beginning. Not so much interested in the what you're reading. I just want you to get into the habit of just sitting down for 10 pages sitting down for 10 pages and just read whatever you want. It doesn't even matter. What I do tell you though is try as best you can to have the written word. The written word is far better than the than on the phone because you, you have the tendency to start scrolling through things that you just don't want, right? Oh, I'm just gonna read my Kindle on my iPad, for example. But then you see that Facebook you know, icon right there, like, well, let me just see what's going on. And then you just kind of go down that rabbit hole and it defeats the whole purpose of the arise routine. I is inhalations, again, five deep cleansing breaths. I don't make it too complicated, but I make it a moment to expand my lungs, to expand my lungs. S is scribble. We talked a little bit about this offline, Dave, and, you know, journaling for me has been the most important habit that I've that I've had success in, and, and all the people that I've worked with, medical students, residents, faculty, senior faculty, journaling has been the most important thing for me, the most important thing for me. And as we were talking a little bit offline too, is a lot of times we're just worried about, you know, what do we write? You know, people have a very misconstrued idea of what, uh, what journaling is. They think they think it's like, oh, you know, dear diary, today was a bad day. No, that's not it. It's just getting thoughts on paper. And a lot of times people are, are, are just like, well, what do I write? And, and as I said to you earlier, um, you know, one of the things that I'll offer your, your listeners is I'll give you my 31 days of, of uh, writing prompts. Just, just a, here's a, a free download that you can access that gives you these uh, 31 days of writing prompts so you can get, just get, get yourself started on that journey because it's such an incredible habit to get into that you're going to see the amazing thing on day number one, your entry is going to be just this big, but on day 31, it's going to be a page deep. And you're like, well, what happened? Well, what happened is you got yourself into a routine and then you felt more comfortable that you're writing thoughts on paper. And it's it's the most incredible thing uh, that I can recommend to anybody. And it's the most life-changing things that I think that I can, I can recommend to anybody. 
And then finally, E is exercise. I get it done. You know, all too often, we, we, we kid ourselves and say, you know, I work a day shift, so I'll just go to the gym after the day shift. But you're just annihilated during your shift. And you're like, I, I just don't have it in me to exercise. I get it done in the morning. I just get it done in the morning. And you're like, well, Harry, what do I do? What do I do? It doesn't matter, Dave. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. You literally just have to get your body moving for 20 minutes. If you want to get on the bike, get on the bike. If you want to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you want to do yoga, yoga. Whatever it is that you enjoy, right? Don't do it just to check things off of a list. Do something that you enjoy. But you have to get the body moving, though. And that's my morning ritual. And I defend it fiercely fiercely my family knows that this time and it doesn't take too long it takes at most for me 40 minutes that's my time do i have to get up early sometimes to do it yeah i absolutely do but what i've realized though what i've realized though is that 40 minutes has so much return on that investment that my day just gets so much better throughout the day i'm not playing catch up with my day i've done it and my day starts off on a positive note so one of the habits that I have is I wake up, I drink a cup, I weigh myself first. Okay. And then I have a little cup of water. Then I drink my pre-workout. Then I go straight to the gym. That usually takes me an hour to get out the door. Within, okay. that, within that hour, I know that I could read a page a day. I had the goal of 10 pages a day. Okay. But for me... um. I know that if I start to just read one page a day, I'll ingrain that habit. So for yeah. me, it's one page. And I tell people at the gym, because they see me there all the time, I tell them, I'm still in my gym clothes now. <laughs> I tell them the uh, hardest thing sometimes is just getting dressed. So if you lay your clothes out the night before, it makes it a lot easier. And that's something that I learned from uh, Atomic Habits is setting up your environment. If you put your book by your bed and you put your water, uh, you know, you don't want to put the water by the book, but <laughs> in case you spill it, but uh, if you put a water bottle by the bed, you're more likely to drink it when you wake up. So it's yep. little things like that setting up your environment. So um, I'm going to watch this back and I'm going to write a rise in my journal and I'm going to write each one of those. I really appreciate that. That was very powerful. Uh, can you tell us about your sleep ritual? Because I'm curious about that. Absolutely. So sleep ritual is, again, S-L-E-E-P. So as I stretch, right, because the entire day, is, especially being in the emergency department, you may not notice it, but you're kind of all, you're tense throughout your day, especially with our current, with our current crisis that's going on. So I just make a point to just stretch. I don't follow a, a specific stretch routine. I just stretch the muscles that I think need most stretching. And for me, it's usually my, my lower thoracic spine. It's just because I'm in a computer doing this all day. I just needed to stretch it out. So I do just 10, 15 minutes of stretches. I have a foam roller in my bedroom. I do that. So that's S is stretch. L I let go of electronics. I'll, I'll go through. I go through it all, and I'll go through it individually. L is let go of all electronics. E is exhale. The other E is explore new ideas, and P is prepare for the next day, which we alluded to earlier. So again, we talked about S, which is stretch. L, let go of electronics. Now, electronics are all around us, right? I have one computer here. I have one over here, and I have my phone over here, right? But that blue light that comes off of that phone, it affects you know, affects our sleep. So, you know, I have made it a, 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 a ritual for me, a habit for me, and for my family too. We don't look at electronics 45 minutes before bed. It's it's just a hard stop. We just don't do it. 
I used to be the medical director of my department, so it was, you know, it was important for them to be able to get a hold of me, especially at two in the morning. But what I've done is I've trained my team is if you need to get a hold of me, you don't text me, you call me. And I keep the phone in my bathroom. So loud enough that I can hear the ring, but I won't respond to a text or a ping because you have that habit of like, you know, ping, oh, well, what is it? Somebody might need me. Nope. They know I've trained my team and, you know, my friends and my family that, you know, at around 9, actually 8, at around 8 p.m., if you're going to ping me, I'm just not going to respond. I'm just not going to respond. If you need to get a hold of me, you have to call me. Um, so that's kind of what I've done. I will be let go of electronics 45 minutes before bed. And then the... Um, the um, the E is exhaled, no different than the morning, which is the inhale. I just get five deep cleansing breaths. And the other E is explore new ideas, which is my way of just, again, reading, again, for 10 or 15 minutes. 10 or 15 minutes, again, for me, 10 or 15 minutes is easy for me to do, but it wasn't always that way. Again, it was 10 pages. Again, what was I reading? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're reading. I do like a lot of, like, um, you know, productivity books. I, do, I like, you know, James Clear, you know, Atomic Habits. Brendan Burchard, John Maxwell, those are the guys that I typically uh, follow. You know, Simon Sinek, oh, I could, read, I could read Simon Sinek books all day, every day. I just, I have such a powerful voice. Um, but that's why I read 10 to 15 minutes for on just that kind of stuff because again, it prepares my mind for the next day, which is my final P, prepare for the next day. Same thing like you, Dave, I send my workout gear folded right next to my nightstand right next to my nightstand uh, because it gets done. If I, if I have to go searching for my t-shirt, searching for my gym shorts, I've wasted five times. And then in that five times, you kind of see yourself, well, it's kind of cold outside or, you know, hey, yesterday was a really rough shift, you know. And no, I just get up, boom, I know it's there, and I just go. I don't give my mind that time to process an excuse. I just go ahead and just do it. And it's been really successful for me. That's uh, really, really powerful. If someone wants to avoid burnout, what is your number one best tip for them? Yep. I think the number one tip is you, you, have, to be, um, you have to be intentional of what you say yes to. Because all too often, Dave, I think too many of us, and especially in academics, they, they feel that we have to say yes to every request. And what happens is you're saying yes to this, yes to this, yes to this, but then you're saying no to the important things you're in life. You're saying no to your family. You're saying no to your self-care. You're saying no to your fitness. You're saying no to your emotional wellness. You're saying yes to somebody else's vision, but you're saying no to your vision. So what I always try to encourage people is you have to be very mindful of what you're saying yes to. Is this thing getting, is the thing you're saying yes to getting you closer to your vision, to your goals? And if the answer is no, well, then your answer should be no too, right? It's not going to affect your professional life if you say no to things. I guarantee it. I've been doing this for well over 10 years, and I've been through the entire sequence of student, resident, physician, faculty, medical director. I've been through that. And I can tell you, um, I wish I would have said no more often, right? Because it led me down a road of burnouts. And I am, I am, it's very difficult for me to say yes to things that are not consistent with where I've envisioned myself and my family. 
it's very it's very hard to having to say yes to to things nowadays just because it's, if it's not uh, on my path or my family's path it's going to be a no i guarantee you it's going to be a no and that was hard that was hard at the beginning because you want to you know us in healthcare we want to help people we were people pleasers for the most part and we want to help anybody who's asking for our help but we're saying no to ourselves so many times and then we struggle with burnout and that's what I've always encouraged people to do is say no more often. I want to uh, rewind time and go back to your decision uh, to go from paramedic to doctor. Can you walk us through that? Absolutely. So one of the things, so as I said, I was a paramedic in Chicago. And um, one thing that I remember, we used to take a lot of our traumas to Cook County Hospital, which is our county hospital in, in the city. And we used to take a lot of our gunshots and our stabbings there. And I remember we used to take our patients there who were really, really ill, like a really ill gunshot wound to the chest, let's say. And I remember we used to take our patients there and that trauma center was run so well. Everybody had a job, everybody knew what that job was, and everyone knew what their role, role was in that, in that time period. But there was a certain set of call amongst the amongst the docs there and the nurses there um, that even though the scene is crazy and for a layperson they're like oh my goodness what is going on here but for the people who are there there's a certain sense of calm because they knew what they, what they what they needed to get done and I remember turning to my partner that day I go you know what if I ever go to medical school I'd want to come here and train here because this is what I felt were the best in the business. And, and that's really what I was. And my partner just kind of turns at me in that typical Chicago accent, like, well, why don't you just go to med school? And I go, well, why not? So that's what I did. I applied to med school. I got into med school. And then I was just so laser focused, Dave, that I wanted to do my emergency medicine residency at Cook County Hospital. I was just laser focused on that. And, you know, and God willing, that's what happened. I got into that program. And it was a phenomenal program, phenomenal training. And I just loved it so much. I was the chief resident my final year. And I, it was just, that's where I needed to be. And I've never regretted the decision. I miss my, my paramedic and my firefighter uh, brothers and sisters because uh, I think about them every single day. I think about them every single day. Um, but I knew that my place was, was in the emergency department because I knew I, I needed to do more. I needed to do more and, and expand more and stretch more, and that's really what I wanted to do. Every now and then I hear stories of a medical assistant who became an RN or first became an LPN and then became an RN and then became an NP. And then I hear stories of a paramedic who went to medical school and then became a doctor and then became the medical director. I absolutely love those stories of people um, that have that drive within yeah. and uh, never stop reaching for the next level. What is your next project in life? What's the next, uh, what's the next thing? Sure. I think the next thing for me is to, to, expand, to expand the voice, to expand the platform that I have. I've been so blessed, so blessed that um, I recognize early in, in my career that I was suffering with, with this thing called burnout. But I'm so blessed as well and so grateful for the people that I surrounded myself with. 
and that I have the opportunity to, to write and to blog and to podcast and speak. I've been on some really great stages. And I just want to expand that voice even more. I want to be on more stages. I want to be on more podcasts. I want to just expand that platform because especially, especially with what we're going through right now, it breaks my heart. Two things break my heart. It breaks my heart that people are leaving the field of medicine altogether. It just breaks my heart because, you know, there are many people maybe in, in our space who, you know, they're, they have like, well, I'm working on a side hustle so I can get you out of medicine. That is exactly not what I want. I think the field is such a wonderful, wonderful field. You know, you've been given a gift to, you know, a, and a skill set to be able to help people. I want you to stay in that special that you've dreamt of. As a child, I knew that I was going to be a physician since I was a kid. And that's what I knew I, want, I wanted to be. But then I also know that many other doctors are like that too. Many other nurses are like that too. Many other paramedics are like that too, that they've dreamt about it since they were little kids. And once they're in that field, they're like, oh, this is horrible. This is hard. Well, no. Yes, it is hard. But with a certain set of skill sets, a certain set of resources, a certain set of habits, we can get you to not get by the shift or not just keep my head above water. I want you to thrive in that specialty. And that's really what I want to do. You know, it, it, it breaks my heart when I hear my colleagues, you know, as their kids are entering college, when you hear things like, you know, hey, would you, you know, would you encourage your kids to go to medicine? When they hear like, absolutely not. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. Um, because those docs are burned out. They just haven't, they haven't developed the skill set um, to grow the habits, to grow the rituals, to have those resources to get them to where they were day one of medical school. If you could think back to day one of medical school, how the feeling that you had, the, the possibilities that were in your brain, and then to where you are now, that's a huge chasm. And you just need some resource and a mentor to walk with you. And I always tell them, you have to at least want it. And if you want it, I'll be that mentor and I'll walk with you. And I'll walk with you on that. And that's really what my next vision is to expand the platform because there are so many people in healthcare that just need to hear this information from somebody who's, who was there, who is there, but who is thriving and succeeding in medicine. We'd be remiss if we didn't name your podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. The, my, my podcast, my, my whole platform is called Medicine Revived. There's a medicinerevived.com. That's where my, my blog is. And then medicinerevive.com forward slash Apple or really wherever, wherever podcasts are heard on Stitcher, Spotify, I'm on there. It's called Medicine Revived. Medicine so I, Revived. I, Medicine Revived, yep. Um, so if people want to find you, they should go to medicinerevive.com. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So I'm also on all the, 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 the major social media platforms. You know, I have a, a Facebook page. I'm on YouTube, the same thing, Medicine Revived. I'm on LinkedIn. Actually, I get a lot of people on LinkedIn because it's more of a, I mean, a little more of a professional um, uh, you know, platform rather than Facebook, which is more of a personal. It, but again, I capture people at different stages of their career. Um, I'm on Instagram as well because, again, the more the younger physicians are on Instagram and more the mid-career, you know, late-career physicians are more on LinkedIn. So I'm on all the major platforms, and I could always—it's always under the same handle, Medicine Revived. My last three questions for you: Your definition of a hero. And my definition of a hero is the one who's willing to do more 
than what they think that they are capable of doing. That's my definition of hero. I love it. And um, you coach people. That's also part of your, your program. That's exactly right. So I, I also have a platform where you can um, you can do one-on-one coaching with me too. And again, that can all be found on medicinerevive.com because sometimes, um, you know, as physicians, um, you know, we're busy and we're busy. And, you know, I also have an online course. I have a, a, an online on the seven habits, what I call the seven habits every 21st century physician needs to know. It's a masterclass and it's a seven week a course when a, a new habit drops every single week, so you can do it over seven weeks. Um, but sometimes, you know, docs want a little bit more one-on-one. You know, it could be that that surgeon, that trauma surgeon, who really just kind of wants the nuts and bolts of, you know, some actual steps that they could do this week, this month, this year, and that's where the personal coaching comes in. And again, that could be found on on the website as well too. And my very last question for you, sir, if you had a comic superpower, what would it be and why? I think my superpower is um, I, have, uh, uh, I have the ability to see uh, the future. And by that I mean is um, I can create a vision in my mind and I, can create, and I can create the path, the roadmap to get me and anybody else there. I can see the vision in somebody else that they have. They may not say it out loud, but I can see it in their eyes, what they're feeling. I can see it in their heart, what they're feeling, right? Because I've been there. And I have that ability to get you to stretch, to get you to believe in in yourself more than you believe in yourself at first. And then I'm just so happy when, you know, people are like, you know what, Harry, that was hard, but it was so much worth it. And I'm going to stretch even farther next quarter. And I'm going to stretch even farther after that. I think that is, I think, a, a unique gift that I have uh, that I, I think I've been very blessed with. If we had more time, I'd ask you to read my future and tell me, my, tell me the vision that you have for me. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that the fact that you're doing this, Dave, the fact that you're doing this, you have a heart for this, you have a heart to help people. Um, you can't help but go up. You, you, there's no there's there's no option other than excelling. Excel, I know we were talking a little bit uh, off camera as well, but you have a heart and you have a gift to to help other people. And even though you know in this stage of your career, you're only just starting, Dave. You are only just starting. You have a gift for more, and you know it, and you know it, and that's what I see in you. Thank you very much, doctor. I appreciate your time. I'm going to respect your time. And I'm so grateful that you agreed to come on to the show. This was a very, very, very good episode. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. You have a great day. All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at David Leith, the number one. 
Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.